0: Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 103.9 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Uh, part two of uh, what we've been talking about with Paul E. Linebar. He is the author, once again, of Precious Memories of Nancy Leinbar, RN, CNM, and all-time Alzheimer's patient. And the last time we spoke to Paul, we... we we started talking about uh, missionary work, something that that I don't know an awful lot about. I mean, it's uh, you know other than the the basics, and I've spoken to missionaries over the years and uh, interviewed, but uh, certainly we're getting some uh, some insight into uh, where where Paul and Nancy were heading. Uh, a very selfish thought, and and unfortunately, unfortunately. Uh, uh, government uh, takeover came and kind of curtailed everything that was going on. Uh, but it is important if you're listening out there and you have some interest in this. I, I boy, I can't imagine um, serving, uh, w- regardless of what faith uh, or what religion you are. I can't imagine um, uh, you know doing anything to, to serve your God better than to help uh, bring uh, thoughts to to people and to help. And uh, they were building a hospital and everything else. But Paul E. Linebar is our very special guest. Paul, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, the, the idea, and I know you touched on this, and you said even in junior high school you had in there about being a missionary and uh, being a pastor. Uh, what did your parents um, first tell you, or when did you first hear about the idea of anyone uh, being a missionary? And uh, it, were your parents supportive of the idea of you doing this one day?
1: Uh, yes, they, they were very supportive. They had always uh, uh, instructed us to, uh, uh, you know, do what God wanted us to do and listen to the calling that he might have for us. And uh, and they didn't push us that direction, but we were in our church. You know, we constantly had uh, missionary uh, information. We had mission, missionary speakers at conferences and uh, and that was an important part of shaping our thinking towards missions and what they do, whether you're, you're, uh, here at home, uh, and praying and supporting with financial missions, but how important it was to get God's message out all around the world. <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: Yeah. Well, how, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Um, because that that's the way <clears throat> Jesus did in, in uh instructing his disciples you know to take his message and spread it on all all around the world that they had at the time
0: yeah you know i i spent some time in africa not you know not doing any you know uh, missionary work but uh, on safari and i wasn't shooting anything but i was uh, taking pictures and uh but uh, you know i got into the Uh, Community a little bit uh, there and and started talking to people and interviewing people and uh, Tanzania is where I went specifically. And I I remember, I remember uh, seeing a group of uh, children, and my wife had told me uh, to bring candy. Uh, When you go to the villages and I said, yeah, well, that's all we need. A 50 year old, you know, creepy 50 year old handing out candy to children. And uh, she said, no, no, no. She said, no, not at all. You go up to the adults and it's considered very respectful. You go up to the adults and say, you know, I have I have some candy here. And uh, I'd like to give it to the children. Is it okay? Is anybody allergic to anything? Is any you know whatever? So I had like little starburst and and things like that. So I, I remember our safari vehicle. I was with a gentleman named Sylvester Moses, and he um, uh, he had had trouble with the uh, safari vehicle and he needed to get a part uh, fixed. And we were in this little village, uh, you know, and and there were these children and they looked like they were in you know, like Catholic uniforms, you know, Catholic school uniforms. I went to Catholic school as a, as a child, and, and they, it didn't look much different than, you know, something we would wear, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So in my mind, I thought, you know, these are these are the wealthy children, and they're going to private school or they're going whatever. So, you know, I, I asked, uh, you know, some of the adults, I said, can I give, uh, you know, give candy to the children? And, and they said, oh, sure, they'll love that. And And I went over there, and somebody said, turn around, and there were seven people taking our picture, of with their iPhones, you know. And they were and they were saying, "This man's doing a story on our village," which I didn't say, but I ended up doing something on it. But they, these the kids were very cute, you know, young African kids. And and I was handing them candy, and out, uh, you know, I was running short. And I I said to somebody, I said, "Did did you, did you have it already?" And he's closing his mouth. He said, Mm like that, like no, he's not." So uh, you know, of course, I, I gave him all the candy I had. And uh, and it was, they were, they were very sweet, but an aunt of one of the little boys and and little girl, they were brother and sister, told me she said the these children uh, need to come up with seventy two dollars, um, seventy two dollars to go to school a year, and that might not sound. Uh, did she say seven? Yeah, seventy two dollars to go to school every year. They need thirty five for the uniform. They need eight dollars for the shoes, and there's a reader that costs twenty dollars, and then there's something else. So it, it came out to seventy-five dollars. And I said, "Well, that doesn't sound too bad." And she said, "No." She said, "Their parents combined make seventy-two dollars in a month." So so many people decide not to uh, send their children to uh, to school, and and we're not even talking about uh, you know any specific school. This is just a private school, and I'm sure it's you know it's. It's poorly equipped with all kinds of things and she said these you know these children have to buy these uniforms in order to um, uh, you know in order to go to school and I, I thought to myself, boy we, we probably have uniforms here that are either outdated or whatever that we could send over there and send kids you know but that's a, it's a lot of money for those uh, those folks and you don't think of it. Like I immediately wrote it off as, oh, these are the rich kids, you know, whatever, a- anything but they're uh, they're they're just the kids that are going to uh, to this school, and and to me, I thought it was uh, heartwarming that somebody would give up more than a month salary combined, mother and father, to uh, to try to advance their children, and they had two kids. Keep in mind, they had uh, two children, so that's two months salary. Um, to uh, to get them there, and, and in my mind, I was I I was, I was like, wow, this is just a, a complete different world. But uh, and from what I understand, and again, I have been to a couple of countries in Africa, but uh, I want uh, you know you know want want to uh, believe, and people have told me that uh, that they're all you know, in that same kind of kind of shape. Did you get any any kind of reference? Um, before you were planning on going on, on what you would encounter and is it similar to that? And before you answer, let me remind folks, author Paul E. Limebar is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here telling you to binge listen to everything we've done. But Paul, did, did anybody tell you anything similar to what I just said there? Uh,
1: yes, the uh, the doctor uh, <clears throat> that uh, was down there when he was up visiting here uh filled in on a <clears throat> whole lot of the information about the mission and about the people there. He did mention that, uh, as you said, that uh, a lot of their schools for to show respect and so forth, they, they do like to put their kids in uniforms. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of a nice thing to do for them because it makes the, the, the little children feel kind of special and uh, and it helps them with their discipline, they said, so forth. So that was something that was quite nice to uh, to see. Uh, also our our mission board gave us a good deal of information about uh, the mission field and about the people in the area and um, and also that there was at that time a lot of upset uh, when they were trying to gain their independence, which they eventually did. Uh, so we we did have that kind of information but we found that what they told us also that the, the kids and the people themselves uh, were very open to listening to the gospel message uh, in the places where where they were going they were eager to learn and to listen
0: i i would believe that to be true uh, today uh and coming off of that trip i think people uh, you know people who have tough times um I would, uh, uh, would would be looking for answers and you know what better uh, you know answers to get there is, is uh, some discussions on faith and and, and a higher power and uh, especially the folks there who have you know very little to be optimistic about um, with, with everything going on Frank McKay here again with the author of uh, precious memories of Nancy linebar RN CNM and Alzheimer's patients patient, uh, and and he is, uh, He's the author of that, and it's his wonderful wife, Paul E. Linebar, is our guest. A Binge listen, uh, once again, to everything else that uh, we've done together. Frank McKay here with Paul. Um, uh, you know, another thing that I noticed about Africa is that there's more wildlife in my hometown than there is in most of Africa, except for the national parks and the, and the state parks where there's protection from the animals. And uh, and people say what? What are you talking? You know, we have squirrels on our property, and I'm sure Paul, you have squirrels, and you know, mm-hmm. you know where you go. And I was explaining to Sylvester Moses, who's a wildlife expert. He showed me rhinoceros. He showed me uh, lion uh, and elephants everywhere look. Um, but he, he said, "Well, he said, what's a squirrel?" And I explained to him. And he says, "Well, you feed them." And I said, "I don't feed them. We don't feed them." He said, "Somebody's feeding them." I said, "No, God's feeding them. It's uh, they're eating a- they're eating acorns." And he was like, "What's an acorn?" Like he had no idea what an acorn is. And and I don't like to say this uh, because I don't want to make it, make it sound like I'm being flippant. But the reason there's there's no squirrels or there couldn't be squirrels on. Uh, You know, in the cities and in the villages, because there would be a food food source, and uh, and they would eat them. There's just not enough food there. Um, In fact, I I saw a dog like uh, rummaging around, um, looking uh, looking for something. It was a skinny little dog, and I asked uh, Sylvester. I said, "Uh, "Whose dog, for example, is that?" I mean, do you think he belongs to one? He said, "Whose dog is it?" He said, "I." He said, "He probably, you know, somebody gives him a place to sleep," And, and I said, "What." who feeds him? And he laughed at me and, and he's like, who feeds him? You know, he's going to pick up whatever he gets on the, on the ground. I went into some stores, you know, like food stores, and I asked for dog food. I was just curious, you know, is there dog food here? Is there cat food? And they looked at me like I had three heads, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, what, what are you talking Cat food, dog food. There's no cat food or dog food. You know, it, it's the, the food shortage is, is tremendous. And and even I I even went further. I'm into animals. I I love animals and um and, and I love viewing them and taking pictures and so forth. I I asked them. I said, uh, where are their dumpsters? Where th- where's their garbage? And and like he didn't know what a dumpster was. And there's just not a lot of garbage. There's not a lot of they use everything that you know. Like even a corn husk. Somebody takes away the corn husk and they're they're making something out of it, like beds or or whatever. So again, we're talking about a much different existence. Than what we have here and, and food, um, you, you know, unless it's protected, people would be killing that in these lions and, and elephants to, uh, to eat them. Um, uh, you know, it, it, people uh, do not have a lot of, a lot of food there. And, you know, it is a worthy uh, goal. If, uh, if, if someone is out there and they're wondering what they can give back, I mean, uh, to be a missionary is a wonderful thing.
1: Yes, it is. <clears throat> we have, uh, A young lady, she's a a registered nurse uh, in our church, and uh, she's been about uh, two months on a mission uh, trip, a six-month mission trip to Africa, uh, working in a hospital there. And uh, there are just a lot of people that go to help because of the tremendous need. And she said that the line of people uh, lined up for the hospital and they know the doctor's there and they're going to do things. It's, it's tremendous how long it is. People walk from long distances to get there to try to get some help because that's the only resource they have for medical help. So I applaud her for doing this. She wanted to go and see what it's like. And we don't know what the Lord has in mind for her, whether she'll, uh, you know, decide to do this full time or not, but, uh, uh, there are all kinds of people that are willing to do this kind of work, and uh, I'm just so uh, impressed by them. And our 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 church does support a great deal of missionaries around the world that are going and doing this kind of thing to further the gospel of the Lord.
0: Yeah, uh, really, it's just uh, it, you got to you got um, to be heartened and. and and encouraged uh, that there are people in this world that uh, that uh, have that stronger faith and and that bigger uh, sense of community where they would uh, where they would take years and months and years weeks you know uh, but years and years out of their lives to um, pass on to 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 folks who don't um, get that uh, advantage that we we have here. I mean, um, you know, I also remember in I was in Germany once and. And, and they were uh, they were saying to me, German uh, people were saying that you, um, uh, you you come from a very religious country, and I was like, I was like, really? I mean, it, do you, and and the one guy said I was in, I, I was in America, and and every corner there was a church, and you know we don't really think about it, but we're really blessed. I, I mean, whatever denomination uh, you're uh, you're uh, involved with, uh, whatever religion you're involved in, there's not too much. Um, uh, searching that you need to do to find where to go here in America, and and think about it. I mean, it's, um, I you know, and often uh, you know, people would. Um, I I know my parents uh, were Catholic, and and they, uh, um, they went out of their way when they moved out of the city and they moved on to Long Island, which is the suburbs. Um, they they moved, uh, someplace, uh, near the church, uh, Saint Cyril and Methodius. Uh, church it was a catholic you know It it is a catholic church and there's a catholic school and the reason they went there is because uh there was a my mother was slovak she was 100 percent slovak and she went to uh, damville uh which is a, a, a catholic boarding school and the name of the church was saint cyril and methodius so our lives were shaped around the fact that they <laughs> they found another saint cyril and methodius and it, it, she just figured there would be a familiarity there and that um uh, you know that uh, we would, we would grow up around the church, and she was right. I mean, uh, uh, think about that. We're, we're very blessed to be here in America, where we could, uh, um, we really could uh, worship any way we uh, we wish, and and there's a lot of opportunities to do so.
1: Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, in, and in, in our community here in South Carolina, uh, there are just uh, many many church choices, and uh, and and it's. Uh, uh it's just unbelievable how some people don't take advantage of them i mean they're they're right close to them even you know and and uh so whatever religion background they have uh, as you say there's opportunity uh if they want to take advantage of that uh, and they should uh because after all life brings all kinds of problems and and you need some higher power which, in my belief, is is God and Jesus Christ, in order to uh, and to get you through those things and prepare you for uh, the eternity that we all will face someday.
0: Uh, Paul E. Linebar once again is our very special guest, the author of Precious Memories of Nancy Linebar, RN, uh, CNM, and Alzheimer's Patients. Buy the book; uh, all the proceeds go to the Alzheimer's Association. Frank McKay here with the author, Paul E. Linebar. Uh, Paul, let me let me ask you: When you found your uh, your group and your community, the uh, the support group for Alzheimer's and and caregivers uh, of Alzheimer's patients, uh, did you find it through your church, or how did you find it? <clears throat>
1: no, I I, uh, I actually uh, went online and looked up Alzheimer's in our area, and found the local um, uh, Alzheimer's office. And ask them, you know, was there any support groups around? And that's how they directed me to a support group. And um, so that was very helpful. Uh, and and so now that I've known that, as I mentioned before, there are places you can go on, on your computer and, and uh, bring that up, and, and it'll show you the, whatever area you're in where your support group is. And so that was extremely helpful.
0: Yeah, but another another place to go is your your local church. I mean, if uh, you know, and again, it's every, everything's so easy on the internet now, and it's great. Uh, it, it really is a great uh, resource. And and again, I guess I, I think it was Shakespeare who said, "A thing is neither good nor bad; it's thought that makes it so." And and you know, here people use the internet for so many great things, and of course, it's used for dark things too. They have uh, the dark web and uh, very serious uh, criminals on there, and. And, uh, and predators of, of all kind but for the most part you can find uh, you know anything that you need to know on uh, on the internet uh, we've got a couple of minutes left here Paul um, advice to those who are just finding out now that they're going to be a, a caregiver of course buy your book um, that's uh, that's a, a great piece of advice and and listen to our shows here that uh, that have us talking about it but uh, what, what is the first thing you tell somebody they just found out that I'm going to be a caregiver to uh, to an Alzheimer's patient. Um, wh- where can you send me, Paul? <clears throat>
1: the, the first thing is to, to get some help. Um, you know, so many of us are so certain that we can do everything on our own, but uh, as time goes along, you need help. And so, uh, with whatever whatever the the illness is, there's some support group and help for that. And if we just contact those agencies, uh, they will tell you, um, uh, the groups and the, the people that can help you out and the, the information that they have. Um, for instance, one, one thing that I wished I had known early on was, uh, uh, a little, uh, brochure that they put out or paper from, um, the Alzheimer's Association was called AgingCare.com, uh, and the article says that you know uh, is Alzheimer's behavior the patient's problem or the caregivers? Well, you know I learned through that later on uh, when when I found that out that part of the way that I was acting through ignorance was causing part of the problems. Um, you know that that the communication, for instance, with the with the Alzheimer's person. Uh, you know, trying to correct them and say, you know, well, you know, that's not right or do this or do that, that uh, I was totally the wrong thing to do. And uh, so that's something that I wish I had learned early on instead of finding it later on because it was extremely helpful uh, information and it would be helpful to anyone.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, it's, it's terrific. I mean, you mentioned helpful. I, Everything that you say, every word that comes out of your mouth is helpful, and I, I want to thank you uh, for for being so face forward on a very difficult uh, subject. But Paul E. Linebar, thank you very much for being here once again.
1: Thank you, Frank.
0: And I want to thank all of you for listening. Frank McKay here, uh, part of a continuing series with Paul E. Linebar. Uh, precious Memories of Nancy Linebar, R.N., C.N.M., and All Time is Patient is the name of the book. Uh, Paul of course is the author and that's his lovely wife that he took care of his late uh, wonderful wife um, Nancy and uh, and again uh, everything that we've been talking about here you could binge listen to and listen to again uh, but buy the book all the proceeds from the book will go to the Alzheimer's Association and they could use it and it's just uh, it's wonderful Frank McKay signing off we'll see you all next time on breaking it down Thank you